Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Well, my friends are gone and my hair is grey. I ache in the places where I used to play And I'm crazy for love But I'm not coming on I'm just paying my rent every day In the Tower of Song I said to Hank Williams How lonely does it get? Hank Williams hasn't answered yet, but I hear him coughing all night long. Oh, a hundred floors above me in the Tower of Song. Hey, como está? Oggi siamo radical Australia. Vida 3CR 855 on the AM dial. Hello, Empress Dale Bridge. Como está? I'm very well, thank you. How are you, Look, Joe? Dale, it's a pleasure to have you back. I had the little one here. He was very oh, good. Thank you. thank you very much, Andy, for helping Yeah, he out. was very nice, but, you know, we don't like nice people here, do we? <laughs> <laughs> he, was, he was very nice and polite and, he's, and no, pleasant. He's great, and I really appreciate his help. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I was a little bit crook and uh, yeah, yeah, more it, contagious than anything. I yeah, think. and you decided you want to bring it in and share it. Well, today. no, no, uh, uh, this uh, week I'm less contagious. Uh, so. <laughs> yeah, all right, I could say something, but I won't. I could get Please into trouble. Don't. No. <laughs> now, this afternoon we're going to do this in broken Italian. We have a very important guest, a man who has an exhibition coming up, but we're not going to ask him about that till the end of the show. We're going to get our pound of flesh. <laughs> <laughs> Miguel Vecchio. Miguel, come sta? Bene, grazie a tu. Eh, eh, bene, bene, tu. Chi sei? Malavito o dolce vita? Un poco... Tutti due. Tutti due, male e dolce. Male e dolce. Eh, bene, bene. Well, our guest is, likes the good life and the bad life. He's like Dale and me. He's one of us. <laughs> <laughs> now, Michael. We'll call you Michael. We'll anglicise. Yeah, yeah, you. totally. Yeah, that's what, they know you as Michael. Yeah. Look, two questions. You know the drill. You're on the front desk. You listen to this <laughs> crap every week. Two questions. What year were you born? 1978. We've got somebody who's decent. I've had young people since you've been away, Dale. It's been an experience, you I know. I think young people have an awful lot to offer, Joe. They have a lot to <laughs> offer. They do have a lot to offer, but you can manipulate them. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> no, hey, hey, Michael, we didn't say you were young, okay? We said oh, we had somebody who was a decent I age. You were born 1970. Me. He's still the youngest one in the room. Dale, is he older than you are? No, no, he's he's the youngest. I'm I'm seventy three. Seventy three. No, oh, well, seventies. If I was a vampire, I'd suck your lifeblood, but I'm not, unfortunately. <laughs> you wouldn't want it, mate. Look, I can process anything. You've got no idea. Let us move forward. All right. Now, young, 
Michael. And the second question, which you've got 54 minutes to answer is, well, what's the first thing you remember on planet Earth? I know this question came <laughs> up and I was trying to prep it in my head before getting here. <laughs> And I don't know. Can, we, can you give me a moment? Can you talk amongst yourselves? Or just, no, no, just no, 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 no. We're trying to embarrass you, okay? Okay. There must have been something, something that caught your attention as a human being. Oh, it's not going to be like prolific or anything. No, 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 no. Hey, hey. This is a very boring, dull, pedestrian program. Amazing. It's the sum of its parts makes it interesting. All right. Okay. So tell us your first memory. First memory, my sister and I being home alone. Ooh. Mm. And perhaps I was about five or six, and mm. she's six years older than me. Mm. And my parents went out just, I don't know, errands or yep, whatever, yep, visiting. Yep. What I, parents I, have got to do, yeah. And they used to keep um, a bottle of Tia Maria um, just above the fridge. Mm. <laughs> I understand why above the fridge, but you learned yeah, about yep. the chairs by now, had you? Yeah, so you know the cupboard yeah. above the fridge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In, yeah, you know, in yeah. those really sort of yeah. European-style, um, mm. really terribly tiled uh, kitchens. Mm. <laughs> and, um, yeah, so my sister would hold the ladder and I would climb up. <laughs> Malavita, I knew it. I knew it when I put lay eyes on you. And, I mean, you know the rest it's of the genetic. story. Totally. Yeah. I would open it and drink tea Maria with milk, though. But and, would your uh, sister partake? Yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, so it was both yeah, of us. Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, I'm pretty sure she was the instigator of uh, this whole situation. So, uh, yeah. And then... Um, didn't your parents notice that it was a bit lower? You know, I don't remember that part of the story, um, but I've been informed that, yes, they eventually mm. cottoned on to the fact that mm. there wasn't much left. So, yeah, that's uh, one of my uh, earliest uh, kind uh, of things. Well, you've got to be smart in life, Michael. <laughs> when I was 17, as I, I was a CMF civilian part-time cleaner during the Vietnam War, right? I was trying to not get drafted. And I had to clean the officer's mess, the sergeant's mess, and the enlisted men's mess. And uh, the first thing I was told by my uh, you know, predecessor, he said, drink as much as you like, but make sure you put water in it so they don't know. Because yeah. they used to, and you could always get away in the officer's mess, You'd get away in the enlisted men's mess, but the sergeant's mess, if you had a sip of it, they'd know. They'd put a line there and they'd know how strong it was, bloody sergeants. So you should have done the same thing. You should have put a bit of water in. Your parents wouldn't have noticed. Wouldn't they're have Italians. Noticed. They, they, they wouldn't have noticed. I assume they're Italian, aren't they? Correct. Are they still alive? Yes. So we can't say anything rude. Um, where, where do they come from? <laughs> My parents are, are both from um, a small village in Italy, in the south of Italy, uh, in a region called Catanzaro. Catanzaro, see. Si, si. And their, um, their, their town um, is uh, Conflenti, and that's where, you know, a lot of Italians in Sydney, that's where my parents moved to. Um, mm. uh, Madonna da Guercia, which is uh, the Madonna of some kind of tree. Oh, God. I forget yeah. what it is. I should know this. Anyway, Every and that's and that's Madonna. the that's the Madonna of uh, Conflenti. So they both yeah, sort of yeah, yeah. grew up in the same village. Yeah. Yeah. Look, every town's got a Madonna. Yep. I could tell you the Madonna of Lingua Glossa, where my parents came from. Yep. When I went there in '81, they dragged me out to the Madonna. You know why? Because when because Lingua Glossa is the closest town to Mount Etna, which blows up occasionally and covers villages. Yep. So I think in the 30s, when it blew up big last time, they raced out for the Madonna and put her in front of the lava. And the lava split and saved the village. 
Wow. And I'm sure your Madonna, because every town has got a Madonna story. That's why the Madonna's there to protect them. Wow. I don't know what um, our Madonna did, really. Well, if it's the Madonna of trees... Look, I can't bit tell you. Bit of shade. You. I can't tell you. Oh, a bit of shade. <laughs> Throwing a bit of shade. Well, you know what that part of Italy's yeah, like. It's barren. No wonder people immigrate. How, how, how could you grow stuff in that area? To be fair, my parents were both um, farmers. Yeah. Yeah. So, right. and my both my parents were uh, shepherd shepherd people. Yeah. 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 Shepherds. So, um, yeah, mm. that's that was their upbringing. Um, a very minimal schooling because. That's right, um, as you can understand, they they just their parents mm. couldn't afford to send them to school further right. than year three mm. and four, respectively. Right. So yep. yeah, so um, from a low sort of socioeconomic background, no, excuse me, we say oppressed. We don't l- use the uh, word low socioeconomic oh, because perfect. that reinforces the class structure. We say oppressed people. That's great. Thank you for that. No, no, yeah. I'm sorry to correct you, but that's my job. You know, no, that's great. <laughs> So definitely, yeah. So that's... Because they were basically dirt farmers. And in many regards, yeah, they were sharecroppers. They didn't even own the land they farmed. Plumage. Yeah, basically, yeah. 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 So that's, that's very sort of tip of the iceberg of, you know, where, where I came from, I suppose, my roots-ish. Because hmm, in some of those uh, more uh, rural regions, provincial regions, even in the 30s and 40s, they even had the right of the landowner to sleep with your wife on the first night. That's how difficult things could were in those villages and mm. people immigrated because there was no future for them. Yeah, totally. So what, what year did your parents come across? Um, both my parents came over in 1977, but my father had come uh, prior to that, five mm. years prior to that, to um, set up right. yeah. the house. So my sister was born over there. Mm. And obviously I was born here in 1978. Are you one of us? It's yes. good to see you're not one of those migrants. You're, Thank you, Joe. Yeah, you're one of us. I was born here too. When people tell me to go back where I come from, I say, I don't oh. want to go and live in Brisbane. <laughs> <laughs> and I assume you say you don't want to go and live in Sydney, do right? You? And exactly. I don't want to go back and live in Sydney. To be fair, yeah, um, I, can, I understand why. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that's uh, yeah. that. Has anybody ever said that to you? Go back where you came from. You know, in my youth. Uh, a lot more, um, mm. I suppose, a lot more when I was in um, primary school and formative years of my education. But I, I think I'm just read as a you know a white guy these days, so I don't really get any backlash of you know, iris- well, you know thank, yeah. in relation to my race or gender or sexuality yeah, or anything like right. that. So yeah, yeah. yeah, thank God or thank the gods for new waves of immigration because they become. <laughs> I remember when Asians were Asians and now they're honorary whites and Italians were blacks and now we're honorary whites. Mm, mm. And uh, now we've got the Sudanese and one day they'll become honorary whites. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, the way it's, it goes. It's, it's changed sad. so much. So yeah. where did you go to primary school? Wow, that's really in-depth. I'm, I'm happy to say that's fine. Uh, it's <laughs> In-depth. <laughs> um, no, I went to primary school. Catholic primary school? It, no, it was a uh, public school. And in fact, Narawina is a suburb that oh. I grew up in. And Narawina is an Aboriginal word meaning uh, a quiet place a quiet on a place. hill. And was it a quiet place on a hill? It, it is. It's like mm. a pretty sleepy suburb and it's on a hill. Like it's <laughs> it's basically that. So it actually, you know, there's not much going on in Narawina. It's, there's a, a lot of, um, yeah, a lot of people from different um Backgrounds and minorities and, and what mm. have you. So and obviously um, a lot of Italians and a lot of my family. Like, <laughs> That's so, why you're here. Yeah. 
<laughs> so, I mean, look, look. Don't, I don't, I, you know. If I ask questions you don't want to answer, just... Sure, no, I'm... T- you yeah, know, totally. All. So, at primary school, you said life was a little bit rough. Sure. What happened? Any things in your memory? <laughs> <laughs> I suppose, um, being of um, an Italian background... Mm. Um, the the teachers uh, um, first of all anglicised your name, so yeah, no yeah. longer was I Michaela, I was Michael, and mm. I sort of stuck to that name for many years until you know I finished high school and I decided mm. I wanted to mainly use my Italian name on documents. But anyway, um, <clears throat> and how did they pronounce your surname? Oh, just, <laughs> just everything that's not my surname. <laughs> I mean, right now, I I mean, I use an anglicised version of my name and just say Vessio. Um, Vessio. Um, it's it's you know it's you sound, even, you it's, sound like a cheap perfume. It's just <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's I'm, my name is so far removed from what it is. But in any case, um, yeah, I suppose just being from you know mm. um, a culturally and linguistically diverse background, um, they just put you at that time. They just everyone was in ESL, English as a second language. Mm. So mm. you're sort of targeted already when you're pulled from. <laughs> Yeah. Your main class to go to ESL for what right. an hour or two a day, and yeah. so you know there was obviously myself and yeah, you know, other people from other um, mm. linguistic uh, backgrounds. So yeah, there's that, and so immediately you're um, segregated, and mm. therefore a bit of uh, racism, and you know you mm. can't speak English. And well, we didn't to have, be fair, we, yeah. I didn't speak English until I went to kindergarten because That's we right. spoke Italian That's in the right. home. Right. And um, I f- remember one of my first report cards in kindergarten saying, you know, the half yearly one, which I still have, I think ah. which, is, which I think is hilarious. It's like, <laughs> Michael has learnt to count to 10, you know, wow. with the gold star when wow. I was like five. And it's like, well, yeah. I always knew how to count to 10, just in a different <laughs> language, <laughs> you know. But um, yeah, so uh, I thought that was kind of cute, uh, bit weird, cute. Bit cute, yeah, look, English... Well, we didn't have that problem in the late 50s when I went to primary school. They just put you at the back of the class and ignored you. Yeah, right. It was okay. very simple. At least you'd, you could go to special classes. Come totally, on. Totally. Come on. Yeah, you know, you, you should be grateful. Totally grateful. This is what a lot of people don't understand is a lot of children who are born in this country to migrant parents do not speak English to, till they go to uh, kindergarten or primary mm. school. They mm. haven't got a word of English. And it is our second language. Yeah, you know, I mean, you, you hear me talk sometimes, and you wonder where did he pick up that English from? You know, <laughs> shut up, Dale. <laughs> yeah. I love, I love saying that um, if I get something grammatically wrong, I'm like, well, you know, English is my second language. I think I'm doing really well. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, um, I assume you didn't excel at sport in primary school. Good assumption. <laughs> Good assumption. You just weren't. You don't. You, don't, you didn't run, jump. Play football? No. Throw no. cricket balls? Totally, totally not into the sports scene part of life. How come? What's wrong with you? You're not Australian? <laughs> um, this didn't interest me. Hmm. What? Didn't interest you? Hmm. Throwing a ball? No. Did they, did they chase you around the school and beat you up? Because that was pretty popular in my day. Uh, not so much that. A lot more... If we're, if we're speaking about like primary school, primary school, a lot yeah. more taunting. Yeah, 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 yeah totally. Yeah. So we gone. We went from physical fisticuffs to taunting. Yeah, a lot uh, more taunting. Um, yeah. yeah, that was my experience of primary school. Mm. Yeah. Did you still? Did you have the um, the Italian tank joke, or had gone out of favour by then? 
Cause no, I don't know, but I know you said it to Pierre last yeah, yeah, week, and I don't right. know it. You know, Italian tag has got four reverse and one forward. <laughs> this was after the war. People yeah, were yeah. a bit touchy, you know, yeah. in the 50s, but that, by that time it had all gone. Yeah. Yeah, just different. All right, so where does a young boy go to high school? Uh, I went to Freshwater High School. Freshwater, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I assume that was down the road, was it? Kind of, mm. kind of. And that obviously brought its own <laughs> set of hardships as well, um, of course. Um, yeah. Um, luckily, there was um, you know a larger population of um, Italians and Greeks and what mm. have you that um, mm. hung out together. Yeah. By yeah. that time, you had the Lebanese. Poppy, just, no? just all of it, and obviously yeah. there was a bit of an alliance between the, you know, um, the Italians and Greeks, etc. Against the skips. No, we had an alliance <laughs> with the, the Polynesians, so like the Samoans yeah, yeah, and the Tongans, because yeah, yeah. obviously we were minorities, well, and so we yeah. all kind of stuck together, and we hung out under a tree, and uh, the. Um, That's where the Madonna comes in, Miguel. Oh she was protecting you. Well, do you know what the tree was called? It was called the Pizza Tree. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know it's hilarious, but that's that's uh, where we hung out. Yeah, uh, I'm not sure who dubbed that. It, like even before I, you know, started, it uh, was called the Pizza Tree. So it was uh, obviously that's yeah. where um, that's well, you where we all type hung out. Hung out. And what did uh, was it male and female? Or just yeah, it was a co-ed. Co-ed, but yeah. so under the pizza tree, you had male and female. Didn't yeah, you? totally. Yeah, totally. So oh. you know, congregate oh. there before school and uh, um, uh-huh. yeah, be. Um, what, would you be drawing up plans how to destroy the skips that day? Or no, look, no. you know what? I, I I would say that prior to I prior to me going to high school, I'm pretty sure there was a bit of animosity, but by that stage, no, no. No, I think there was. It's just that it was a tradition, and that's sort of sort of got handed down. That's where everyone mm. hung out. But yeah, obviously at that point, I was still discovering myself as a human being, and obviously everybody picked up that I was queer before mm-hmm. I picked up that I was, right. as it usually happens. So there, the hardships that befell me when I, I went to hearts uh, to high school. Well, that's right. Yeah. So, uh, so when did you think that what people were saying may be true? Well, not too much later on. Oh, well, yeah. we won't worry about much, it at the minute then. We'll on. look at it later on, later but, yeah. on. So, but people are saying this in high school too. Yeah, totally, totally. Mm-hmm. And, like, I'm, you know, I'm happy to talk about it because, you yeah, know, yeah. That's, it's, it's a reality of, you know, high school and what happens yeah, and, yeah. you know, that sort of stuff. Did you know what queer was? Uh, no. No, you wouldn't. This is, this, you know this what I mean? Is, like, you don't know. Yeah. It's like, how did they know? Like, yeah, I don't yeah. even know. No, no, but, but it's interesting, isn't it? Because coming from a relatively sheltered sexual background you know you've got basically a peasant background yeah and i don't think homosexuality or being queer or whatever lesbianism whatever would have ever come up as a topic of discussion in that type of home would it oh, no, God. <laughs> no, way. no way it just didn't happen mm. obviously you took to sport in high school didn't you uh, yeah, I pretended to. Yeah, yeah totally. Yeah, totally. Because you want to fit in, yeah? yeah, yeah. You don't want to be ostracised or no, segregated no. from other people. So, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, in hindsight, I wish, you know, you just like, just, you know, uh, do whatever you want. Yeah, really? but, so were you the last person picked when they used to pick the cricket team? With the totally, football? yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was bad at the sports scene. Totally yeah. bad at it, yeah. Uh, uh, mm. How about academically? Um much better with the academics and obviously, you know, obviously the arts, you know. The arts, is. yeah. Um, so, yeah, they were my interests. They were definitely my interests. And um, 
Yeah. God, that was such a long time ago. You no, it's not. You were born in 78. God, well, you know, what did it's I finish? Not, it was like it. almost 20 years ago. I mean, that for me, that's a long while ago. Okay. You're sh- kidding. Kidding. I mean, when you were born, I was 27. Yeah, okay. Fair enough. I, I can't believe this. Obviously, some teacher took you under their wing and protected you and looked after you. Is there anything you... No? No. Just another wog. Yes, I wasn't sure when I should say that <laughs> on there, but yeah, totally. Yeah. And to be fair, like we sort of reclaimed that word um, right. by the time, um, yeah, by the time I was in high school. So yeah. Um, yeah. a lot of the time, you know, um, you know, logs were all um, tagged all over the school. Um, yeah. But you know, it was said with pride. Yeah, um, yeah. very different to um, obviously when my parents arrived here and f- for a long time after that. So. Yeah. That was it was good, and you know we were in solidarity f- with all you know the other Europeans and affiliates, basically. So, mm. yeah, at that point it was you know you were proud. Mm. So when did uh, your sexuality uh, become an issue for you, not the people around you? Oh, um, so I mean, I, gr- I grew up in a religious household. Mm. So but, why weren't you sent to a Catholic school? I was going to ask you that before. Well, because we weren't Catholic. You weren't what was it? No, we grew up as um, Jehovah's Witnesses. Jehovah's in Italy. Uh, no, in Australia. You mean my parents door were- knocking works? It did. It, it did one day. Yeah, in my family. So that that's where did they have an Italian Jehovah's Witness who came a- across to speak to your parents. Very insane. Controversial. Yeah. yeah, totally. So that, you know, you think, you know, you think of Catholic, then you think of Jehovah's yeah. Witnesses. Because I was it's wondering a totally why you, yeah, thing. Because I was wondering why you didn't go to a Catholic That's school, because automatically you should have. So how old you, I'll back a step, how old were you when you became a Jehovah's Witness? So, well, it sort of started when I was about six, the mm-hmm. whole, the whole process. Right, right. So that brought with itself a lot of, uh, you know, uh, religious guilt and mm-hmm. shame, what have you. So, yeah, so going back to your previous question, when did it become an issue? It was always an issue. Always an issue. Well, you know, you know, religion and, um, you know, queerness doesn't mm. really mix, you know. It's like oil, oil yeah, and but, but, water. But, but you were saying before, you really, all the other people were aware around you, you weren't aware. Yeah, yeah, I didn't know so, it was a thing. So, yeah, so know? it wouldn't, be, wouldn't have been an issue then, would it, Till later on? Too much later on, yeah, yeah. I would say probably when I first started uh, tertiary education. Right. So, so going back when you were small, did, so you went to church every Sunday, Bible class, door knocking. Oh, I've never met a Jehovah's Witness who's hey. gone door knocking. I've met Mormons mm-hmm. who've gone door knocking and ex, obviously. Yep. Now, so um, what's the purpose of this? Is it to get new recruits, I assume? Is it the door knocking? You know, yes, mm, yes. But so. I suppose the um, the veneer is. Um, oh my god, I can't believe I'm saying all this. But you know, they say um, it's about um, <laughs> bringing, bringing salvation, bringing the good news to the people. Salvation. Well, you sound like a radical activist, though. Bringing the good news to the people. <sighs> so, how old were you at door knocking? I started really young because what, that's six, seven? about um, well. Nine. That's that's pretty young yeah, to be doing yeah. that kind of thing. You were door knocking with your parents, hopefully. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and what did the other Italians think when you door knocked? I suppose just with... like to go back. My father never converted to Jehovahism. There was one sensible person in your house. Yeah. So he was. He was. He wasn't. 
wasn't involved. He wasn't involved, nor was he very pleased at the situation. In any case, yeah, so... Well, you well, know, he, was, he was like most Italian migrants, he was too busy working, was he paying the bills? Uh, just, it's com- a complex story, <laughs> complex story of the family, but yeah, yeah, there's other factors as well, but... Um, yeah, yeah, all right, we won't go into it. We um, don't want to shame your knee. No, it's, uh, you, know, I, you know, how much time do we have? Like, oh, we've got not, tons not of much time. longer, you know. Um, yeah, so we did that. And, yeah, yeah so then I, I stopped in my early 20s. This? How did you How old were you when you stopped doing it? Uh, early 20s. Early 20s. So that's, that's 15 years of door knocking. Sure, yeah. How did you feel about this? Um, you felt like it was your obligation, mm-hmm. that you felt like you had to. <laughs> so you were still uh, practising Christian, I yeah. guess, uh, uh, while, you were, uh, while you were an adolescent. Yeah. Yeah, that, 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 how, how did that go? Was there many other Christian kids as yeah. well? Yeah. Yeah, I suppose with, yeah. with the Italian families. Yeah, but they're like, Catholics. Usually when the Jehovah's Witness knocks on the I don't door, know. You, put up, you put up your fingers and you tell them to piss off. Yeah. And they have little Get signs saying life. Jehovah's Witness is not welcome. They're all over the Italian community in Melbourne. It How was, did you deal with that? Um, we got <laughs> we got more ostracised because <laughs> we didn't have enough of it for being, you know, wogs. So yeah, you know, yeah. we wanted to choose something else. So yeah, a lot of a lot of um, yeah, huh. and uh, people didn't get it, and uh, a lot of persecution. Yeah, mm. yeah. Mm. So lots of lots of yeah. stuff and lots of uh, family complexities as a result of um, what I would call a, a broken a broken home. Yeah. What would you say a broken home? Uh, different ideals, mm-hmm. different ways of um, bringing up a family, right. and uh, and and so forth. So, yeah, a, a, a sort of a very aggressive household for a long time. Mm. Mm. Obviously, a father was trying to res- assert control, and he couldn't because of the Jehovah's Witnesses. Yeah, they're very, did your sister cope with this? Did she blow knock with you? Or? Yeah, totally, totally. And she's uh, <laughs> she's still a member. She's still a member. That's understandable. Yeah, we won't go down that path. Mm. We're not here to make judgment. We're, not- We're just here to learn. Totally, totally. Oh, well, I mean, I can judge. But so, yeah. mm. let's go back to your early 20s. You, you left high school. You said you went to tertiary. Did you follow your arts? Um, no, no. I, I didn't. You did no. science, did you? I, um, I suppose uh, going back, my, I, w- I wanted to be a carer as well. So a carer? I, I, a carer. Are you mad? You know well, how much work is involved? Yeah. I've been in the business all my life. I've been a carer for 20 years. So mm. I studied nursing. Right. So... Um, right. So no. I've been nursing for twenty years now. No, no, yeah, no. and that's that's, that's what not I caring. That's nursing. There's a difference between being a carer and a nurse. Oh shush! There is. Come on. Did, did, do you nurse in a hospital setting or a home setting? Um, well, to go back, my <laughs> to go back, my father had uh, an accident when I was very oh, right, young, and right. so I think that's where it came from. So I was about right. six or seven when right. he ended up in a, a wheelchair. Right. So what my sister and I... Quadriplegic, paraplegic? Um, incomplete quad. Incomplete C5, quad. C6. C5, C6. Could he feed himself? Yes, but no, not, sort of nothing from yeah. there. Could he walk? A little bit. A little bit. Could he, could he, could he dress himself? No. So you watched him dressing? Yeah, so from a young age, my sister and I um, mm. helped my mother mm. care for him. And from a young age, we... we had to, you know, look after ourselves because my mother was looking after her right. partner. Because so, yeah. so I, so just from that, you know, being in care yeah. for such a long time, it was sort of almost like I don't know. I mm. mean, what's it like? What's step. it like for a young boy and a teenager to be involved in the intimate care of a parent? Because I don't think people understand how intimate the care of a, even an incomplete quadriplegic is. Sure, sure. Um, I mean, it's, it's, I suppose it's confronting. 
it's very confronting um, and there's definitely a sh- you know a shift in the roles and there's a major switch mm-hmm. um, and I suppose for my father it must have been quite uh, what's you know embarrassing for him yeah, I mean humiliating humiliating I mean yeah. he's he was you know a very strong Italian man who would do he was a very hard worker blah 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 and he was amazing and so to be at the point where he was unable to dress himself and other things would happen was was quite a difficult situation. Mm. Hence a lot of the aggression that was in the household at that time as well. So well, it's under- totally understandable. Frustration. So yeah, it was mm. it was difficult. But again, you know, that's you know, um you know, that's your family and so you help your family you, you just do what that's you have right. to to get well, to the next well, I understand day. The the next Je- week. I, I understand the Jehovah's Witness aspect now. It's a right. method of coping. It's a method yeah. of coping with the situation. Totally. And the thing about Look, my uh, brother-in-law, he was a Jehovah's Witness and his mother, when she was deserted by her husband with five children, latched onto the Jehovah's Witnesses because mm. they could provide practical assistance and they were all whisked, whisked away from Australia to New Zealand and mm. some of them are still practising Jehovah's wow. Witnesses 50 years later. So that's one thing about those type of religions. Although yep. they capture your mind, they do provide physical assistance. Yeah, and I suppose just like a bit of hope as well. And, yeah. you know, there's always, yeah. you know, that, yeah. that kind of thing. So, cure, you know. Yeah. So your father's accident, was it compensation or no compensation? Was it work-related or? Can't? It was work-related. Right. Yeah, so, right. so obviously he was you know, quite heavily compensated for, mm. for his injuries. But, mm. yeah. Hmm. All right, so you're a so, young man. So that's how I latched on to, to nursing because it just yeah, it was yeah. just such a the yeah. transition worked pretty well. So where did you do nursing? I <laughs> I I did a training in road court, uh, training road whatever um, mm. at Greenwich Hospital mm-hmm. in Sydney, and then I um, yeah then I went to uni, started registered nursing, and worked. What uni? Uh, UTS. UTS. Sydney. Right, right. Let's go back a step. Ooh. Here you are. In your early 20s, you begin to have some insight into your sexual orientation. Mm. You're a practicing Jehovah's Witness, still door knocking. You're looking after your father, who's an incomplete quadriplegic, doing intimate personal care. When does the shit hit the fan? I mean, this is a lot of pressure for a young man. Huge yeah. amount of pressure. Yeah, yeah. I think probably, like I said, in my early 20s, so perhaps between the ages of 20, well, probably always, but let's just say between the ages of 22 and 25, I'm like, mm, no. Um, you know, you sort of look within yourself and like, what do I want for the rest of my life? And I don't want this. That's not uh, the family so stuff. So you're still living at home then? Or uh, you left home? I, I had left... Oh, when I was studying and all that sort yeah. of stuff, I was at home, yeah. and then I'd moved overseas for a little while, which Excuse was great. Me. You moved overseas? I did. You didn't tell us about this. You didn't ask. Well, <laughs> well, this is... Look, we're in a canoe. I'm really bad historian. Little, you know, I know there's little tributaries, and we go down those tributaries. Cool. All right. So why'd you go overseas? Apart to a, So I, when I finished university yeah. at the end of 99, yeah. I did a postgraduate, whatever, at Royal North Shore Hospital in yep, Sydney yep. in the year 2000. And oh, right it, next to the spinal unit. Yeah, yeah. that's what my dad was a patient. That's yeah. right, yeah. You know your stuff. Um, <laughs> so at, about, at the end of the year 2000, I moved to London so I could do the, you know, the overseas thing. Yep. So perhaps I was about maybe 20, 20, 21 maybe at that mm-hmm. point. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, for many reasons, that was great. Um, well, did you hook up I, with Jehovah's Witnesses in London? No, I made sure I didn't. So I, th- I think probably at that point, I'm just like, this sucks. And so I made sure I, you know, I was there for like, on a, you know, on and off for about three years. And I made sure I did everything. Yeah. And it was Oops. great. Well, it would have been Very a great long. time to be there. Too. Yeah, because I'm like, I'm, there's no one there. And I'm just, yeah. I'm just going to be me. And yeah. This is this is horrible. This is like the <laughs> the village boys who leave the village, go over the hill and go over plunder, to the big smoke, yeah. plunder and enjoy themselves. Look, it's four thirty three. This is Radical Australia and Community Radio Three CR streaming live on three crorgau Dale Bridges, <laughs> the Empress, is asking the occasional question and pushing the buttons, and the man who we're interrogating <laughs> is Miguel. <laughs> Get it wrong, Vesikil. That'll do. <laughs> That'll do. That sounds pretty good. Yeah, close enough. Just say MV. Yep. MV, 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 cool. Uh, so what did you do in London that you can share with us? Did you kind of explore your sexuality? I do. I mean, look, I went there um, mm. as a nurse. So I started mm. working as a nurse as yeah. well. Um, I worked in um, cardiac catheter labs, helping with, you know, um, I was working in angioplasty mm. and pacemaker stuff um and that was good really good experience only been a year out of university so to be in a really sort of oh, intense great. um yeah. environment was really great for my Did career you have to do any um resuscitations obviously you would have been a cardiac lab oh moment. my god like so many so many times and yeah. i and i've just been just a touch board and that sort of gave me the idea of just like hanging out in cardiology so i did uh ccu critical mm-hmm. care for 12 years after that 12 years 12 years at the same in hospital. London? No, I did three years in London and um, like another, what's 12 minus three, nine years mm. at, um, in Sydney. Well, the great thing about doing critical care is the one-to-one, isn't it? Yeah, it's amazing. And mm. uh, Just and explain. Mm. I don't think people really understand how sophisticated medicine has become <laughs> and, and how, how psychologically difficult it is to look after somebody, especially somebody who's young, who's critically injured on a one-to-one basis. Tell us, what, what, what would a, an eight-hour shift involve? Because obviously all your patients would be on ventilators. And... I, I didn't work in surgical. I worked in medical mm-hmm. cardiology, so no ventilators mm-hmm. for my particular area. And we used to do 12-hour shifts as well. Right. So it was pretty intense. So you form a relationship with this person, um, and not only you know are you nursing them or caring for them, but you're also their social worker you're their physiotherapist, um, you know, you do their nutrition. Um, if they're unable to feed themselves, you do that. And obviously, and then obviously you need to, you know, take care of their activities of daily living. So you're, you're helping them do some really intimate stuff because they're unable to. And, uh, you know, a lot of the demographic of people are from an older generation, so they're unable to do things physically. So you form this really weird but really wonderful relationship with most of them, not with yeah. everyone, but with most of them. And you are their point of call. Like, uh, you know, you're the advocate. Hmm. Um, you're, you're there when they need to, you know, speak to the medical team to help, you know, interpret some, you know, terminology and language for them. So it's uh, it's intense, but it's, you know, and it sounds really naff, but it is really re- rewarding, especially when you see people that have come in with some really major cardiac issues and you see them to discharge. I mean, these are the people that you'll look after a few days in a row and come back next weekend. They're still there, but they're being rehabilitated and you're setting up allied health for them, like physio mm. and occupational therapy. It's 
it's amazing, um, but it, you know, it is lots of burnout. There's a lot of burnout. Lots of burnout. How do you feel when one of these people you've been looking after dies? Do you know, I would say the first first few people that passed away on my shift and that were my patient, um, it's pretty intense. Mm. I remember my very first one when I was just out of high school, would have been 18 or something, and I remember their face and the name and the details of, of everything, and that was really intense. I uh, never had seen quite type of situation ever before um but you you do learn to sort of remove yourself from your work because um it's you know you're being professional but you, you know it's still really intense and you know i've had something quite recently happen to me in that respect as well and it was it was pretty heartbreaking and they were a young person and um mm. that's life it is it is but, but, it's, mo- it's, but most people don't have that experience. No. I mean, life is, I mean, death is sanitised in our culture. Yeah. I mean, you go to a funeral, you can see how sanitised it is. Mm. And obviously, you've been at the coalface mm. and you're dealing with people who are critically ill who die when you're looking after them. I mean, that's an experience that does have an impact. I mean, you see, mm. it, you see it in police, you see it in, you see it in soldiers, you see, it just goes on and on, mm. you know, people who have to deal with death. But going back to something more pleasurable. Yeah, sure. <laughs> when, when you came out yeah. in London, yeah. How did you feel? You, you know, just a big weight off my shoulders. Like, I wasn't mm-hmm. carrying this burden on me. It's like taking this, you know, this yoke off me, you know, and right. just being able to be free and, uh, yeah, and obviously just exploring yourself and, and your limitations with that and, and just, like, how, you know, mm. yeah, like, how far can you go and, like, but what, how do I get within, you know, the really sort of mm. inner beauty of myself and what I would like to explore. So it was it was great, obviously, an awakening Hmm. So why'd you come back? Uh, oh, Joe, what did I come back for? I yeah, suppose, you're telling me you're in Nirvana and now you've... I suppose, yeah. you know, uh, all good things come to an end. I don't really know. I suppose, you know, you start missing <laughs> you start missing Australia for some reason and, and, and the people, I don't know, what, what, what about you, Dale? No? Leave me out. I'll leave Dale out of it. I sub- you know, She only steps in when she thinks she's got to moderate. Okay. <laughs> I go too far. Um, yeah, I... You know, and family, I mean, you and family career. And you, could, you, could have st- you could still have been in England. Mm. You know, mm. you got they were always looking like us. They're always looking for fully trained professionals so they don't yeah. save money training their own. I don't know, Joe. Just yeah. life yeah. happened. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think it was a good move to to come back. Mm. You know, and I think perhaps I wanted to be, uh, you know, I wanted to be queer here basically as queer well. Queer here, and queer you're here. a poet and you don't know it. Right. I don't know. I just sort of wanted <laughs> to explore be, that. That could be a new here. blog site for you. Queer here. Oh, you know, I can't write or anything. I can't <laughs> even talk properly. So yeah. <laughs> no, no, you're talking brilliantly. No, no, of course you're talking brilliantly. So, did you ever make the decision to tell your family? Or yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'd hate to have been at that meeting. I kind of had to come out to them three times, though, three times. because I kind of like the first two times I don't, I thought I was clear, but obviously not. Mm. Um, so, th- you know, I don't know. Is there, is there a saying? Three's a charm? Yeah. Yeah. yeah? yeah. Third time's a charm? Yeah. Totally was. Well, it wasn't yeah. very charming, but it like no. it worked. So I mm. think maybe, you know, denial and you know the culture and the language perhaps and all of that sort of thing well yeah the culture the language the religion the background just goes on just all of it but um it's nice though like we're sort of past that point of 
the awkwardness and um, you know division and um, shunning mm. And, mm. and stuff. Mm. Jehovah's Witnesses shun, by the way. Yes, they do um, shun because they say you're very lucky. Because yeah, I'm, I'm so lucky. <laughs> no, because they'll say in, in their yeah. articles that they don't shun. So this is mm. maybe like a PSA from me that mm. if mm. you do read that they don't shun when you leave, mm. they do shun mm. really badly. And it, it's you know as a you know as a trigger warning, it, it, it people haven't been able to guarantee their safety as a result of the shunning. And um, so I'm just just saying, you mm. know. Because um, mm. I've, you know, it's a lived experience for me. So, what what, what does shunning entail apart from having no contact with you? Is there, a, is there a more aggressive element to it? It's so insidious. It's so insidious. So obviously, you're cut from any communication with the people that you thought were your, you know, your your, your family and yeah. your colleagues and the people yeah. that you grew, grew up with, and mm. then you know, your family shuns you mm. as well. Um, lived experience my sister hasn't spoken to me in 10 years as a result or more than 10 years as a result of me you know officially mm-hmm. writtenly leaving that uh that religion so hopefully the people listen out there it is true that people you know you do get shunned and even your family members will stop speaking so, with you so if you were gay and you started jehovah's witness would you still be shunned oh well, I mean, you know, you couldn't you couldn't practice who you were, no. um, you know, within yourself. So you'd like have to abstain. You'd have to abstain. So, yeah. So it's been like being a gay priest. Sure. As long as you don't, as long as you abstain. Most practice. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So yeah, so that that was that's that part of um, that. Yeah. That's so that see, part the, of the other problem of being an immigrant is that you've got very few social supports and very few family supports because everybody's over there. Yeah. So how did how did you cope with that? I mean, these are the people you've been intimately involved with so many years, and all of a sudden, bang, the door comes I, down. Well, because I, well, I, you know, I did preparation because I knew this this could be a potential thing that would happen to me. So I sort of prepped. I sort of started removing myself over a two year period and making sure I had some um, social networks, um, because you're strongly advised not to mix with people that aren't part of that organisation. So I made a, you know, I made a good effort to to expand my social networks prior to that. So I did prep. So when when I when I when it happened for real, um, and I was shunned and disfellowshipped or, or excommunicated, um, the transition was difficult, but uh, was made a lot easier from the people that were supporting me. So I had a, a group mm-hmm. of people that were really supportive, took me into their home, um, you know, acted as my family when my family didn't. Mm. You realise, Miguel, that uh, what you've done has um, cemented your place in Hill, so you'll be with Dale and myself. Amazing. I, can't I, mean, I mean, what an amazing what an amazing trio we'll, down in Hill. We'll, we'll have an so amazing you, time. We'll have an amazing time. It'll be warm all the time. I've got cocktails planned. <laughs> amazing. As long as it's got whiskey. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you just would have had harps and, you know, eternal <laughs> salvation, oh, one with the guide. Oh. So welcome to the club, mate. Thank you. Welcome to the club. You know, I've, I've never journey down your pathway (laughs) yeah you're an amazing human being to survive that because shunning is really really difficult as you said yeah totally yeah yeah definitely because all of a sudden you're nobody you're nobody and you don't have anybody to yeah they're like if you've not done the prep then you have no one to talk to it's 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 really intense really really intense um Mm. Because you don't have any networks and you have, don't have anyone to fall onto, so yeah, 
but I made it, you know, obviously I made it through here, yeah, so it's all... Right. Know, it's so all how good. long did you last in Sydney for? Mm, up until about four years ago. Four years ago. Mm. So working uh, in the cardiac unit in Sydney at the Royal North Shore or something? Yeah. Yeah, yeah up until um, moving to Melbourne. Why would a young man move to Melbourne? I mean, you're in, you're in Sydney, the so-called gay capital of the universe. Yeah, yeah. That's what they think. Yeah, that's what they why, think. Why, would you, why <laughs> in heaven's sake, would you leave a well-paid career and move to Melbourne? Um, my my partner at the time, myself, um, mm. just wanted to change. It was it's as simple as that. Change. Simple as that, and that's where that's how Melbourne happened. What did you do? Did you drive down, walk down, flew in? Flew in. Have you been here before? Yeah, yeah many times. times. Yeah, yeah so, so. I, I suppose it was just um, sort of, you know, like, why not? Why not? Yeah. Do it. And yeah. it's been, yeah, it's been it's been incredible. It's been difficult as well, but it's been incredible for me, yeah. And now I'm going to ask you a very personal question. Mm. What suburb did you move into when you came to Melbourne? Well, Fitzroy. Ah, God, I knew it. I bloody hipsters, they're everywhere. Right, I bloody hipsters. <laughs> just, just down the road from here, yeah. from three CR. Yeah, really. Mm. You moved to Fitzroy. Mm. Why would you and your partner move to Fitzroy? Because we we did. Because I don't know. That's what you do. I, I will the, say, why not Glen Waverley or Frankston? Well, we did end up moving to Kyneton for a little bit as well. You? So we, we have moved around a bit and moved to the west. And we're in the west. Um, Seddon. Near, uh, oh, well, that's that. That's 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 an honorary Fitzroy Seddon. Come on. What do you want? Uh, what are we in? Kyneton. I mean, it's all part of the same scene, is it? Kyneton, Seddon, Yarraville, Fitzroy, what about, what, Brunswick. What about Flemington? Uh, it's almost human. Is it? Almost, yeah. Well, that's where I live now. In Flemington, that's yeah. okay. Which side of the railway line? <laughs> Just say the right side. <laughs> what Dale said. Well, you don't know much about Melbourne, do you? No. If you don't realise there's all these divisions. No. you got no yeah. north, south, east, west. Oh, that kind of division. You know? Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah I'm a bit totally, aware yeah. of that. Yeah. So did you start work in the medical field here when you came down? Or? No, no. I Excuse me. No. How long had you been a, a super professional nurse? How many years? Uh, a what? Well, no, super super nurse, super nurse, super nurse. I don't know. Like, what? Well, basically, when I moved here, I was on long service leave. That, that's what I'm saying. So I didn't right, work right. for what four years of long service leave. Is that what you had? I, I. All <laughs> oh, right. Well, when I first moved here, I didn't work for a year because I was. Oh, that's just, all right. So yeah. it was great. Yeah. So it was really cool. And yeah. you know, how did you fill in your time? Just hanging out. In Fitzroy just, and Carlton just hang, and Just like, just hanging out and getting to know the city and like yeah, actually yeah. just having a break for the first time in a really long time and actually yeah. just caring for myself it was actually amazing. Like yeah. I felt yeah. really rejuvenated. Yeah. And yeah, and I'm doing a bit of nursing now. Right, on the side. On the side. On the side. What yeah. type of nursing? Um, I'm working in corrections at the moment. Corrections, so right. So mm-hmm. I work in the medical centres mm-hmm. in, um, yeah, in right. different correction centres. Well, obviously, you can't name them, but mm. what's that type of work like? Look, I find it, um, for me, uh, not talking about the correction no, centre, no. but from the medical perspective, yeah. you know, uh, I'm there to provide a service and I just view it as a medical centre that's in the community mm-hmm. and then people come there with, with varying you know, ailments. Mm-hmm. 
And so, you know, there's no judgment on my behalf. No, and, no. and for me, I don't know what anyone's done. So I'm just there seriously, just from a professional point of view. And I, Would it be I, like a normal uh, medical practice or would you see spe- things that are specific to that environment? It's almost like a normal medical practice. People just mm. come in and they've got yeah. something going on and yeah. you try to do something for them. And there's a lot of mental health stuff to it as well. So that's been really interesting for me because I've never practiced as a mental health nurse. Um, but I've always been inclined to that. So it's been really um, interesting to engage with these people because you actually um, form quite a good relationship with them as well because obviously they're like they're ongoing clients of yours. Well, that intensive care experience would... And it's really set you up for that. rewarding yeah. and I I enjoy it for the fact that they seem to be comfortable with mm. my presence there and they really open up. I don't know if it's the male thing mm-hmm. as well. It maybe might be, you know, having some tattoos and piercings as well. It sort of levels it out a little bit um, and not being so conservative and I'm quite open to, you know, the issues that, you know, People they face. So it's, it's, it's actually been really, really good and... Uh, I did not expect it to be like that, but it's been well, great. Well, you've had a – well, you get out of life what you put in it. Mm. If you've got the capacity, a lot of people don't have that capacity, but you've got you've got the skills and you've learned a lot of things along the way, mm. some consciously, some unconsciously. Totally. And, yeah. you know, you see somebody walk in, they sit down, you've already processed it in your brain and you're moving certain directions that comes with experience. Mm. So that's good. So um, how many hours a week would you do there? Depends. Sometimes, depends. sometimes I, I I work for uh, a, temp a temp agency, so yeah, I just yeah. fill in shortfalls. Right. And sometimes I don't work at all because I don't mm. want to. Mm. And what other things do you do in your life these days? <laughs> well, I'm a sound artist as, a as well. Sound artist. Sound artist. Now, I know. Me, I know you're yeah. going to hustle what me. What is what is a sound artist? Well, I suppose it's an it's an artist that deals with you know the oral uh, you know aspect of art. You know, oh, you sell hearing aids. I could, but I don't. It's 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 come more. Come on, come on. Tell us. This is your. It's my thing. It's moving away from the the visual content that you usually see mm-hmm. in in sort of the art world, and my stuff is sort of more sound noise art. So it's not very uh, musical. Mm-hmm. Um, I suppose it's a bit more maybe soundscape slash sound art soundtrack I type to, of stuff. I to ask you this, Miguel. How do you make a bloody? How can you sell one of those? Sound pieces. Oh, well, you don't, How do you make a buck? You don't do it for the bucks. You do it for yeah. the love. For the love. For the love. That's why you work, obviously, to, to, to finance your to hobby. Finance, yeah. And well, no, you're calling. I find it um, incredible. It gives me the opportunity to collaborate with, like, lots of other creative people, like performance artists, um, visual artists, installation stuff as well. So it's actually you uh, amazing. These, you're not one of these types that sticks needles in you and hangs off ropes or anything. I don't. No, no, but the no. people you collaborate are... Sometimes, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and so that's been really amazing being uh, able to work with um, some really incredible creative people. And, um, but what so, would yeah. I... What? A sound artist. You're a sound artist, right? Sure, yeah. Now, you've got some show coming up, haven't you? <laughs> I do. When's that? Um, it's um, this Friday. This Friday? Two days away. And you're wasting your time here. Shouldn't you be... It's already ready to go. Ready to go. Yeah. All right. So what? Where, I walk... when, where, when? Yeah. So it's uh, it's this Friday, six to eight at uh, Little Woods Gallery. It's at uh, number one Langridge Street, Collingwood. 
um, just off Smith Street. So it's just like maybe a three-minute walk from here, Joe, so mm. you and Dale can come. Mm. Anyway, and Yeah, but, so, but what do we do? We walk into a bloody white room and just listen to noise? Pretty much. Um, is it like sound arts um, getting more and more uh, – well, there's more and more artists exploring – the soundscapes now. Yeah, and definitely. Like, have you seen um, the Melbourne Drone Orchestra? Yeah, they're amazing. How amazing. Did you go to the one in Northcote just a little while back? No, I went. I saw him at the gasometer. Yeah, right. And um, that's the thing. It's, it's all, it was, I think, 11 um, stacks, uh, like stacks and like Marshall stacks and 11 guitarists all just cranking it up till the distortion and the feedback is so intense and the vibrations and, and it was an, like an hour of this vibration and intensity. Like you don't <laughs> need drugs. You don't need to. It's pretty amazing. You get a real physical yeah. response yeah. from it. And mm-hmm. there's another guy who plays a pane of glass. You know, and he's from Sydney, and he, he's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah, I don't do that. I don't do no, any of that, no, and I, I yeah. don't know if I'd have the. Can, can I give you? Can it? I give you some unsolicited advice about your next show? Yes, please. <laughs> I've always wanted to hear a centipede crawling over a metal sheet. Okay. Because I reckon that would be an amazing. You've got a hundred legs there. Would be an amazing okay. thing to hear. What do you reckon? You're up to it? Yeah, sure. Um, I'm not telling you what to do. I'm just saying. Maybe Uh, it's been done before. I don't know. Maybe. We'll have to look it up on the Google. Uh uh, Go imagine it. I want you to find the brown note. (laughs) The brown note? (laughs) This looks like an in-joke. What's the brown note? We can say that. Yeah. 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 Apparently there's like if you hit a frequency, then um, you can defecate yourself. Yeah, Uh, it makes you lose lose control of your bowels. I I thought it was the rectal G-spot, but (laughs) the brown note. Totally different, Joe. Totally different. Hey, but that that would be a great name for the the venue that would be playing the brown note. (laughs) The rectal G-spot. I'm full of ideas. I'm going to the rectal G-spot tonight to check out the brown note. Oh, it's so good. (laughs) We can open that up in hell. Well, let's do it on Earth because, you know, you don't believe in hell or heaven. Yeah, yeah. Let's do it now. Yeah, totally. So you got any – when did you get involved with 3CR? 3CR, when? When? 2013. um, Because I just wanted to do something, um, some volunteer work. And um, I was just speaking to someone who's affiliated with the station and they're like, 3CR. I'm like, cool. So, yeah, Rachel Kirby – Started doing reception for ages and then, um, yeah, then just sort of got recruited into one of the breakfast programs and sort of on and off with breakfast at the moment, Mm. currently off. But, um, yeah, and then obviously then involved with everything else, you know, from fundraising, Mm. from everything that you can do at 3CR, which is, you know, it's an incredible opportunity. The the elderly slobs that walk in like me and being pleasant and... Yeah, Yeah, having to talk to you. Exactly. You know, it's just... I know, it's just... It's really hard. It is hard. It is very hard. You know, you walk in, you think you own the place, you say hello. (laughs) (laughs) It's difficult. So tell us about this sound sound exhibition. Yeah, sure. So it's just a... It's it's five works of mine. Um, And the... um, it, it just my sort of thing is um, my practice is dealing with the deconstruction of sound or you know re- reproduction destruction of sound. That's sort of what I am really fascinated by. So yeah, so a lot of the sounds are sort of field recordings that I've done, and 
these are my deconstructions of them. Some of them might just be like one note that I've created in like software and just use that as the basis of the yeah of the track itself. So I call it sort of adulterated uh, landscapes. Mm. Um, okay, this is yeah. on for a number of weeks. So it's on for three weeks. So three opening weeks. night's on Friday and then it runs for you know, three so weeks. So you could walk in at any time. Yeah, well, I think it's it's open on like – yeah, it's open Monday and Tuesdays and Thursday to Saturdays, 11 to 4. So you just yeah. walk in? Just walk in. And it's all like, you know, there's five plinths and you put on like, um, what do you call these? Just headphones. So you can have like an, um, yeah, so you can have your own sort of experience of it. And there's there's going to be beanbags there so you can sort of chill out on the beanbags. Bag and chairs listen to for the elderly like me who couldn't get out of a beanbag. <laughs> Oh, there'll be someone that can, like... Help you out. Yeah, roll you out or something. That's nice. That's nice. It's good to say you've got the medical terminology, the nursing medical terminology. Yeah, roll them out. out. Roll them out, eh? Maybe you should have hoists. Kick them out. Have hoists. (laughs) What do you reckon? Oh, H&S. That's a good idea, Joe. Have hoists. You know, you could imagine. You've got potential, mate. Thanks. (laughs) Well, thank you very much, Miguel, for uh, coming in. Joe and Dale, thank you so much for having me. Look, it was a pleasure. Uh, but we don't have people here on the program. We talk to them. Oh. It's got an unpleasant connotation having people. It means you exploit them. Well, thank you for speaking with me this yeah. afternoon. Yeah, it was a pleasure. So, um, folks, One Lang Ridge Street, Collingwood Littlewoods Gallery, 26th of August to the 17th of September. So uh, go on an opening night. What is it? What do you do on opening night? Do you have... Drinks and yes, oh, we'll be there. Yes, wine and cheese. Yes, yes. There's going to be yes. There's going to be some some interesting food as well as as to complement the sound. I'm a bit worried. <laughs> oh no no, it's, it's all it's all good. It's all good. Everyone can partake. Nice no, chocolate coated ants. No no nothing like nothing, nothing like. Well, that's what I'd expect from a sound artist. Oh, sure sure. <laughs> Thank you very much, Miguel. Thank and, you. And uh, I wish you all the best, and I wish you a, a great life, and I'm sure you will make a great life, and you've made a huge contribution to the uh, planet Earth, and you'll continue to make a contribution. It's a pleasure knowing you. That's very sweet of you. Thank you, Joe. Thank you, Dale. Everybody knows.